0: To. romans chapter 15 and <clears throat> we're going to be looking at the first four verses so why don't you stand and i'm going to read you follow along we'll pray and then we'll get to going here this morning we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance... And through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Father, we ask for help as we work through these verses. We we marvel at the example of Jesus. We give you glory for bearing our reproach, for carrying our burdens, for dying for our sins. Father, we pray that you would put it in us by the power of your Holy Spirit to not live a life for self, but God, enable us to be like Jesus, to invest in and pour in and bear the burdens of others. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So this idea of obligation comes up again, okay? Which is really strange, especially when you factor in that most people shy away from that. Most people shy away from letting other people know, hey, I'm, I'm obligated, I have a debt, I, I I owe you, you know, to treat you in a certain way. I mean, most of us, we, we, we're on the other side of that normally, but Paul continuously brings this up in the book of Romans. We started in Romans chapter 1 a long time ago, over a year ago, and we saw in verses 14 through, through 15 that Paul says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Paul says, "I am under obligation, and I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome." And so the way he saw Paul it is, so, wait, Paul saw it is that uh, that's so mean to laugh at people when they struggle. You can be great conviction at the end of this. All right. The way that Paul looked at it was that he owed everybody the gospel. All right, and so we, we go further into Romans 13, um, verse 8. This was a, a few months ago, where Paul said, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for, love, for the one who loves fulfills the law. And so the way that Paul expresses that is that the debt that you always owe, the thing that's always pressing on you as a believer is that you are to show and demonstrate practical love to others. And now in chapter 15, he does it again. And, and he narrows it specifically to speak of those who are strong in faith. And he says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Now, now here's here's why I think he talks like this over and over again. It all stems from what you've been given. So as a believer, you have been loved. As a believer, you've been given the gospel. Your eyes have been opened to see the glory of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has drawn you to Christ. You've been united with Jesus, to Jesus in an everlasting union in, in which you are an heir of Christ, an heir with Christ of eternal salvation, you've been given that as a believer, okay? You begin every every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's what Ephesians 1, 3 says. has been given to you, okay? And so so the principle of the Bible in Luke 12, 48 is, to whom much is given, much is required. And so when Paul thinks about all that has been bestowed on him, that, that's why he looks out at others and says, man, I owe them the gospel. I owe them love. I owe them to carry the weaknesses, the, the failings, the struggles of the weak. And really, that's, that's, not a, that's not a strange concept, is it? You know, I mean, when you think about it, if you think of the, the church as a family, it, it really mirrors a family, Right? So so you you have a, a newborn infant. I, t- I took a picture of Fifth Street there. I walked out and there's that, that uh, row that pew uh, outside the sanctuary, and it was nothing but women with babies on their lap. You know, t- 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 I took a picture of it. You know, so when a baby when a baby comes into your family, you don't say, "All right, little one," you know, we're dividing this up now. Here's your chores. You know, here's your part of the budget. Here's your part. No, you you don't. What you realize is, is that for a long time you're going to be carrying the whole load, right? You're, you're going to be getting the food and preparing the food and putting the food in their mouth and catching the food as it dribbles out the side of their mouth and trying to put it back in again, right? And, and that's going to happen. You know, we're we're in the toddler phase right now. We've been in the toddler phase for 22 years now. Twenty, Yeah, 22 years. So it's a long phase, you know. We're with our little guy, where he's a toddler, and so you don't have to put it in his mouth anymore. You know, he's, he's progressed. So now you make the food, and you prepare the food, and you buy the food, you make the food, put it on his plate, and then he eats the food himself, what he wants, and then the rest he throws off the plate onto Snickers and the floor, and you gotta clean up the food, right? But But in no way is he bearing his own load. We bear that. And in fact, you would say, if you as parents don't bear that load, then you're doing something criminal. Right? Like like we would we would see it that way. You have an obligation. You have a debt. All right, so Paul is not really saying anything really strange cuz that's that's the way a family works. By the way, big picture. I think it's helpful to look at big picture. So remember the first 11 chapters of Romans were all about Paul telling us about God and, and what he's done and his mercy and his salvation through Jesus Christ. And then we open up chapter 12. Remember that? In the first verse, he said, there's this kind of shift that says, okay, now, now if all that is true, how ought you to live? And so so chapter 12, verse 1 says, By the mercies of God, because you have all this mercy from God, you are to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, so you you owe it all to God. So how does that how does that work? What does it look like? Well, have you noticed? The, the, the big picture here of how much of that, how much of how this works deals with how you treat people, how you love people. You're, you're one another, relationships, okay? So, so let's, let's just work it out real quick. So Romans 12 starts out, of your as a living sacrifice. Right away in verse uh, 3 and, and, and on to verse uh, 8 is about spiritual gifts. In other words, God has given you a spiritual gift. He's given you a capacity by the Holy Spirit that you are to minister to other people. God has put the Spirit in you, and now he wants to work through you to build up the faith of others. And then verse 9 of chapter 12, let love be genuine. Uh, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And then it goes down to verse 14, bless those who persecute you. And then verse 16, live in harmony with one another. And then verse 70 through 21, forgive one another. Don't seek revenge. Bless those who, who treat you badly. Chapter 13, be subject, submit to your leaders. 13.8, oh, no one anything except to love one another. Love fulfills the law. All of chapter 14 is working out how you handle other people around you in the gray areas of the Christian life, not judging, and yet living in such a way that doesn't make your brother stumble. And now in chapter 15, he says, well, you know, we have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. What, what we see here, it is as crucial in living out your faith how you relate with other people. I really think this is something that if you if we don't get we'll never get anywhere in the Christian life. Okay, if your idea of the Christian life is you've got your little mask your black mask in your back pocket you took it off for church you thought that'd be polite you know and as soon as you walk out the door you put it on and you are now the Lone Ranger Christian you know you don't need anybody you don't want your life to be encumbered by other people they just make it messy you you know nobody needs you you're just on your own you will not live the Christian life. You're just not. Like you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to please God. You can't be right with Jesus and wrong with those around you. And man, we're seeing that. You know, Paul says, all of your body as a living sacrifice. What does that look like? Man, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. I mean, it's just chapter after chapter of how you live out your faith in the community of believers. And so now he says in verse 1, we are strong, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. The, the word bear with is a word that means to carry a burden, to carry a load. It's a picture of coming alongside someone who's struggling under a load, and you you, you help carry that load. And who is to do this? Well, specifically, you who are strong. Now, if, if we if we go with our context, which is really clear in chapter fourteen, it's talking about the the strong believers are, are those who who kind of are, are very comfortable with their identity in Christ, their righteousness in Christ, and, and so they're not they're not troubled by the food sacrificed to idols, they're not troubled by the the dietary laws. Okay, so so but we we ought to. It is right for us to broaden that out and just just. Broaden that out to say, if, you're, if there's any area in your, in, your, in your faith that you're strong, if you're, if you're strong emotionally, if you're strong spiritually, if you have a capacity, if, if you have a capacity to carry a load, then you are under obligation from God to help carry the burdens of others. That's what he's saying. And, and think about this. If you are strong here today, why? Why? You know, if, if you've grown in the Christian life, if you have great faith, if you have a capacity to minister to others, why do you have that? Let me tell you the wrong answer. You did it on your own. That's the wrong answer. First Corinthians 4, 7 says, what do you have that you've not been given? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, so what, what is the right answer? Well, the right answer is if you're strong here today, it's because God in his mercy dumped grace in your life. Who knows why? That's, that's in the sovereignty of God. But God, God poured grace into your life. And, and he gave you good teaching and he gave you faith to believe. And he gave you, you know, mentors and disciples. Or, or maybe, maybe you're one of those people that from the time you were little, you had grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles and disciples and Sunday school teachers who did nothing but invest truth into your life. And God gave you a receptive heart to that. And, and so you, you're strong in faith. So if the Holy Spirit has worked that great work in your life, you should not despise those who are struggling. The the really wicked thing for you to do, if you're strong in faith, is to despise those who are struggling in faith, those who might be immature in their faith, those who, who can't seem to get it together. If you're strong, God made you strong to carry the load for others. One of the things that we've got to learn is that in relationships seldom is it an equal distribution of the load. It just isn't. Man, I, I wish somebody would have told me that, like right off the bat, really young. You know, and, 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 and probably nobody told you that. Those people that say marriage is a 50-50 deal, you know, you, here's what you do. When those people tell you that, you you know, you try to be a nice Christian, but you just, you just kind of suddenly kind of get close to them, and they pop them right in the mouth, you know. Because they should not be saying that. I mean, it just messes everybody up. You know, because as you get into the deal, you realize, man, there's seasons where you got to carry the load. And then there's other seasons where they carry the load. And and those are never equal. It's never distributed equal. That just isn't the way relationships work. And so if you come into marriage thinking that, man, you're you're gonna it's gonna mess you up. No, it's it's not true. There are some friendships where you're gonna carry the load, and they're not. And there's others where people are gonna invest in you. You're gonna be in a small group where there are seasons where you're carrying the load. Maybe the whole load of the whole group. And there's others where it's just a great time of, of people pouring into you. But that's just the way relationships are, that's the way parenting is. You know, there's there's times where you got to carry the load, and it's certainly not going to be equal. And, and here's what he's saying: you who are strong, bear with those who aren't. Don't expect fairness. Is it ever fair? Let me tell you what: it sure wasn't with you and Jesus. How much of the load is Jesus carrying? How much are you carrying? So this, let's just talk about your sin. Okay, so how much of your sin are you taking care of and how much is Jesus taking care of? So are you like at a 70, 30? You know, Jesus, he's carrying 70 and you're going ahead and working real hard and getting that rest of the 30 percent. Or maybe maybe you're an 80, 20 person, or maybe you're a 90, 10. Let's say maybe some of you are 99 ones. Right. Jesus is taking care of 99 percent of your sin and your filth and your iniquity. And you're going to work real hard and take care of the one percent. And here's the bad news today, you're going to hell. You will go to hell because you have no capacity to take care of 1% of your sin. You can't do it. You, you'll you die and spend an eternity under the wrath of God bearing the judgment of that one percent so what is it with jesus it's a hundred zero okay forever and always that's what it is he carries all of our load and so it isn't a strange thing when we open up our bible and it says we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves that we have an obligation to be sensitive and careful with believers who are still burdened by issues of their past or plagued by guilt or feelings of shame over gray areas. Paul Paul is talking about giving up certain freedoms for the sake of the spiritual health of others. Not just just for what makes me happy, but listen, our intent. Here it is. Let each of us please his neighbor. Look at verse 2. For his good to build him up. Man, that... Next week, as you get in the car, all right, as you get in the car and I want you to grab your spouse's hand and you're getting ready to go to small groups at at 515 in the evening, okay, and you're getting ready to go drop your kids off and you grab your spouse's hand. And and before you put it in gear, go ahead and do this while you're still in your driveway. Go ahead and pray and just, just pray, God, please enable us by the power of your spirit to build up the faith of the people that we will go and see of whoever shows up in our group. God, give us the capacity to strengthen by our words, by our actions, by our love, by our giving, by our listening, by our patience. God, give us the the, the ability, the capacity to build up the faith of others for their good, to build them up. I hope that you do not get in the car and say, well, I hope the group treats us right, you know. Honey, if they they don't, when we come in, if everybody doesn't stand and start ringing bells, we're going to a different group, you know. Or even worse, don't put on your mask and say, I don't need anybody and nobody needs me, and so I'm not going to build up the faith of anybody, and I don't need anybody to build up my faith. Don't do that either. Verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Now the reason why, verse three, for Christ did not please Himself. Okay, are you? you, Do you understand the purpose of this verse? Okay, so He just told you, He said, "I want you to carry loads that are not yours." Okay, I want you to get alongside people and 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 do some heavy lifting in their life and bear burdens that aren't yours. And, and, and your gut reaction is, why would I do that? I've got a big enough load of my own, right? That's all of our gut reaction. Here's why, verse 3. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, and he quotes an Old Testament scripture, Psalm 69, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Our reproach fell on Jesus. Jesus did not please himself, but rather he took our reproach upon himself. Now, it's places like this in the Bible that really reveal what you believe about Jesus. It's right here. It's right here that that what you believe about Jesus is gonna come out, okay? So if when you hear verse three, you're like, well, still, I ain't gonna carry nobody's load, then you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. You don't believe that, okay? Because if you did, you would believe that Jesus is the first and best of beings, all right? That Jesus did humanity right. Right? We're, we're all looking for life. Everybody in this room says, God, I, I want to be happy. I want to be blessed. I want to be satisfied. God, I, I want to live life. I want life. Everybody's saying that. There's nobody in here that says, I want to be unblessed and unhappy, and I want death. No, nobody says that. Everybody wants life. Well, what do we believe about Jesus? We believe that he lived life. The Gospel of John 14, 6. He said, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He's saying, look at me, look at me, follow me, do what I do. I'm living life. And John, he said, I'm the light of the world. He says, I'm the bread of life. He said, I'm the good shepherd. He said, I'm the fountain of living waters. Every one of those images is meant to, to drive into our skulls that Jesus is the way. He's the first and best of beings. And so when, when verse 3, when, we, when verse 1 says, hey, go alongside and carry loads, loads that aren't yours, really heavy ones, and, and don't please yourself, please your neighbor, and we're like, why would I do that? Verse 3, because Jesus lived that way, and then we ought to be like, okay. You know what? I want, I want life. That must be the right way. That must be the way to happiness. That must be the way to please God. That must be the way for purpose and fulfillment and joy. It must be why I was created. I want to be like Jesus. So what does that look like? Well, it says he he bore our reproach, okay? But I, I want to take you to a passage I think is even more helpful, even more specific about Jesus, okay? So Philippians 2, Philippians 2, and we're going to begin in verse 5. Have this mind, here's your command again, have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Think like Jesus, live like Jesus, do what Jesus did, okay? Verse, verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, what does that mean? That means that Jesus has always been God. He existed in Trinitarian divinity from eternity past, okay? Now, what kind of privileges are there for being God? What, what, What does that look like? If you're God, what kind of privileges, what kind of benefits do you get? A lot. What did Jesus do? Who, though he was in the form of God, Ready for this next phrase? <clears throat> Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Clung to. I think is what the NASB says. What's it saying? When most of us get privileges, this, this is our, uh, how many of you, we'll talk about this in a second, but let me, let me preface it. How many of you have things you deserve, right? What do you do with, you know, I deserve to be treated this way. I deserve, right? What do you, what do, you do with those things? headlock, right? That's what we do, like this. You're like, you ain't taking it from me. I deserve it, right? I'm gonna have this. what Jesus do? He let go. He became man. I was talking with a guy, one of our guys at Sonic this week, and uh, he was talking about this book he's been reading. He's, he's talking about the thought that Jesus became man forever. Like, it wasn't just a short gig. Like, he's the God-man today in heaven, isn't he? He bears the scars of the cross. He's our king forever. Jesus let go. Verse 7, made himself nothing took the form of a servant. Though, though he deserved to be served, that was his privilege, he took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then the next part, therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee would bow and tongue confess. Do you see what Jesus did? Was that hard for him? Matthew 26 29, Garden of Gethsemane, 39, I'm sorry. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What was he doing right there? He was saying no to himself to bear your reproach. Okay, so. Notice, notice that Jesus got over that rock that trips us up habitually. I, 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 bet there's, I bet there's some of us in this room where we have a continual black spiritual eye and a little bit of blood running out of our spiritual nose all the time because we, we've fallen over this rock in, 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 in the path of the Christian life again and again and again. And, and the rock is what I deserve. Right. So so when we hit verses like three or two and three, let each of us please his neighbor or verse into verse one, not please ourselves. Verse two, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to building up for Christ to not please himself. Man, we, we trip over that. We get into spiritual trouble because we think in terms like this. I deserve to be treated fairly and kindly. I deserve to only be asked to do my fair share of the work. I deserve to have regular me time, and no one should get in the way of that. I deserve to spare my, to spend my fair share of the money. I deserve to be honored according to my contributions. What happens? Not that. Hardly ever, right? What happens? Well, your spouse is a little short with you. After you did the dishes. And then they're short with you. And then you go through a season where you got to carry most of the load. And and, and then you have a small group that is struggling and and they're always demanding your time and attention. And and you end up spending money on, on others and you're not appreciated or recognized for your work. And then we trip over that rock, don't we? And you know Why? I think because we we neglect, we neglect this clear, resounding truth that runs through the Scriptures. Okay? Now, we just saw the example of Jesus. Jesus, Christ was willing to please God at any cost. That's what John MacArthur, right? Christ was willing to please God at any cost, okay? But, but listen, here's what trips us up. We, we neglect that joy, happiness, satisfaction are not found in catering to yourself. That's everywhere. Joy, happiness, and satisfaction are not found. I don't care what TV says, okay? The magic box is not truth, okay? I don't care what the commercials say. I don't care what the ads say. I don't care what your friends at work say. Joy and happiness and satisfaction are not found in catering to yourself. But rather, let's just read the words of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Did you hear the first thing there? Deny himself. And then the next verse says, whoever would save his life. So whoever tries to cater to themselves will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let me ask you some questions. Have you given up something for the sake of the gospel? Anything. Can you look at your life and say, I've given up this privilege. I've given up this pleasure. I've given up this freedom. I've given up this something for the sake of the gospel. Can you look at your life and, and say, I have not enjoyed something because it might hurt my brother and I'm trying to build him up. Can you look at your life and say, I've made this personal sacrifice for the good of other believers. Verse three is urging us to measure our sacrifice according to the sacrifice of Christ. To think of Christ carrying our load, all of it. To think of the hardship that he submitted to, the trials that he endured, the abuse that he allowed, all for the good of his people. What have you suffered in order to bring good to your brother? Now, this is hard, right? Are we all about done talking about this? I know I am, you know. I mean, it's been real unpleasant, hasn't it? This whole deny yourself. And, and how are we going to do that? Because this is hard. Well, good news. Okay, here's how we're going to do it, all right? Here, here's the way to be like Jesus. Here's the way to be able to come alongside and carry burdens. Here's the way to, to be able to, not please yourselves, and build up others. Here's how we do it already. Verse 4. This is very important. Without this, we can't do it. Verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance, man, we need that, and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. All right, so, so the Bible is telling us, first of all, you need the Scriptures Okay, the Scriptures are going to give you endurance. They're going to give you encouragement. They're going to give you hope. They're going to give you the ability to do these hard things. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, 6, and 11, it gives all these Old Testament Bible stories. It says, this was written for you. This was written that that, that, that you might not desire evil things. And the next one, verse 11, this was written that you might might be able to live the Christian life. You need the Scriptures. So let me just stop right here and, and let me ask you this. What is your plan to know the Scriptures? Right? And so what we just learned is, if you're, if you're going to do what Jesus did, if you're going to live like Jesus did, come aside, carry burdens, you're going to love people well, you're going to deny yourself, you're, you're going you're to live a life of, of investing in others. If the only way to pull that off is by knowing the Scriptures, if the Scriptures are part of that, then what is your plan today to meditate on them, to memorize them, to be taught them, to know them? See, I think we got to know that. We can't leave here and, 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 and say, well, you know, I want to live like Jesus, and have no plan to saturate ourselves with the scripture. So first thing, you, you need the plan. Now, why? Because you need endurance, okay? Through endurance, through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I think all three of those things, endurance, encouragement, and hope, are tied to the scriptures, all right? So, so why do you need an endurance? Well, because God's going to ask you to do hard things over and over and over again. Man, just, just get used to that, okay? This whole loving people, it, it is seldom easy. I, and I know that we we like build this new friendship and we think this is the one, you know? This is the one. It's, it's, it's gonna be easy, you know? And then it's not, right? It's not for the long haul. It, it, it's, it's gonna be hard to love people. It's gonna be hard to bear with the failings and the weaknesses of other believers. There, there are a lot of steps of obedience that are fairly manageable one time. Okay, But when you got to do it over and over and over again, if you're going to love people like Jesus, if you're going to personally sacrifice and let go of what you deserve for the good of others, you're going to need the Scriptures because here's the reality. There are some relationships that are really hard, most of them. Relationships that demand a lot of giving and a lot of forgiving and a lot of sacrifice. And I know there's a few exceptions to that. If you have enough kids, you know, I'd say if you have 10. If you have 10, one of those is going to be that one that comes out of the womb's like, "Hey dad, what do you want me to do?" Man, you're you're the you're the wisest person ever. What can I do for you? You know, you're going to have that one. But you're going to have nine that come out saying, "Man, I am going to push you at every turn, all right?" Some of you have difficult marriages. Okay, that, that that person that told you that marriage is 50-50 and then they said it's really easy if you just do, man, hit them again. They got to stop saying stuff like that. Because relationships, Christ-centered, Christ-exalting relationships are hard. Okay, and so, so you need the Scriptures. Okay, now what do the Scriptures do that enable you to have endurance to, to love people this way? Well, in a thousand different ways, the scriptures remind you of the prize that's ahead. They remind you that Jesus won't let you down. They remind you that enduring with Christ-like love in hard things, in hard relationships, will always be met with grace and mercy and power. Right? So, so maybe, maybe you're getting a little wore out. Right, so maybe maybe you got six kids, six little ones, and you're desperately trying to disciple and train and point them to Jesus, and you you have these thoughts of despair, you're not doing any good, and life would be easier without all these demands. Absolutely it would be easier. But then the scriptures shout to you of the payoff of investing the gospel in people. Is it easier on Wednesday? To get off from work, gird up your loins, you have to do it, come to Team Kid and enter the arena that is the first and second grade boys. Is it easier to do that or to drop off your kids? If you don't have kids, just go home, Netflix, recliner, Doritos, which is easier? That If you don't know the answer to that, there's something incredibly wrong with you, okay? It is easier to go to Netflix, right? Man, it it is a million times easier. So why would you do the other? The Scriptures. Matthew 10, 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones, even a cup of cold water, because he's my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Did you just hear what Jesus said? He said the smallest act of kindness and gospel grace to a little one ensures that you will not ever lose your reward. Jesus will take care of that. Can Netflix offer the same promise? It cannot. Have you seen some of the stupid shows on there? I mean, I I looked and I've scrolled through before like for 20 minutes and I never got to watch anything. Because like I, I was like, I've never even heard of these things. Maybe it might have a fulfilling show, but it cannot offer the reward that Jesus just offered. When you're a vital part of people's lives, when you're caring for people and praying for people and ministering to people, And then they let you down, and they will, again and again and again and again and again. What is it that drives you to keep investing? Things like Mark 10. This is cool because of the context, but the context of this, verse 28, Peter says to Jesus, see, we've left everything and followed you. What's Peter saying? Peter's like, hey, Jesus, look look at what we've done. We had a successful fishing business on the day we met you. We had the greatest catch of fish that anybody's ever had on the Sea of Galilee. Remember that when Jesus, you know, know, had to have boats to bring it all in? You know, they could have expanded, expanded the fleet, opened another business on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We had all that. We left it all. Jesus, we've left families. Jesus, we've left comfort. Jesus, we've left safety. We've left security. We've left all of that, Jesus. What do you say about that? Verse 29. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And then the age to come, eternal life. How is Jesus going to pull that off? I don't know, but I I believe him. Do you believe him? That's what I that's what I want to press on you. Do you believe him? If you do, it will propel you forward. Endurance. You have example after example in the scriptures, Job unfathomable tragedy the death of all of his children the loss of his health financial ruin and through endurance through clinging on to God Job Job ends the book having God restored everything twofold Abraham persevered trusting God's promise for a son, though his wife was infertile, though he's in his 90s, Sarah's in her 80s, and for 24 years he believed God for a son, and God came through. Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused, imprisoned for 17 years. But Joseph held on to faith, and God exalted him to the prime minister of Egypt. When you read through Hebrews 11, you find Time after time, example after example of those who held on and said, God, you will not let me down. The scriptures give us endurance. Hebrews 12, 2 finishes this way. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. You see what the scriptures did for Jesus? Put that joy right out in front of him. He knew what the Father was going to do. He knew what was going to happen. For the joy set before him, just like it's set before you. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. We're out of time, but let me, let me wrap up with these two. The Scriptures bring encouragement. Okay, We just looked at endurance. They bring encouragement. The word encouragement means to come alongside and strengthen you, to embolden in a certain course of action. So so here's how it looks. You're you're going along. You're trying to love people. You're trying to invest in people. You're you're trying to relentlessly deny yourself and and give to others and trust Christ. And the scriptures come alongside, and they, they push you along. And then look at this. That through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, you might have hope. You know what hope is? Hope is the most powerful motivator to do hard things in the world. It is that confident expectation of a good that lies ahead. And as long as you have it, man, it will drive you forward. I have this continual problem on the mountain bike trail. And... I always try to start first. I try to cheat. I try to get a head start. Um, And inevitably, what happens is they pass me. And I ride so well when I'm ahead, when I have this hope of winning. And then they pass me. And even, even after they pass me for a little bit, I actually passed Pastor Andrew after he passed me once yesterday. It was so glorious, you know, but I used all my strength and then he passed me right back, you know, but I passed him one. So even after they passed me, I I still have, I still have some drive. I still have some get up and go because I'm thinking they might fall. They might crash, you know, they might get a tumbleweed in the trailer, you know, that something might happen mechanical. But inevitably what happens is when I lose sight of them. I lose my hope. And I'm tired and my legs hurt and I'm. I'm I'm gonna coast it. And I'm just gonna ride it out because I lost my hope. The Bible's saying the scriptures; they're the thing that that you you as you dive into them, as you grab hold of what God will do, what He said He would do, and He never lets us down. As you that drive, you never lose your confident expectation of good things to come. That's what hope is. You guys remember Romans 8? Man, that was a fun month. Let I me, mean, let I me, mean, you know, God works all things together for good to those who love Him. Man. And then verse 31. Listen, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? And, and then the best part He, God, who did not spare His own Son. Man, if, if God didn't spare Jesus, If he gave Jesus for you, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All things. Do you you hear what he's saying? He said, man, if God didn't hold back Jesus, why in the world would you think that he's going to hold back dumping his riches of every promise and every good thing he said he's going to do? You know what that verse is meant to do? Give you hope. It's meant to put out in front of you this confident expectation of good things to come so that as you're struggling and caring and lifting and striving and serving and loving and giving and you're tired, and you've got this out in front of you saying, God will not let me down. That's what the scriptures do for us. that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Father, I just thank you so much for the example of Jesus. Thank you for blazing the trail. Thank you for showing us how to live. Thank you for showing us the life that is truly abundant and full and satisfying and joy-giving. And Father, thank you for the scriptures that you have just, showered us with every good gift and and you've promised us every good thing and god i pray that our hope would be strong and god i I pray that as our hope is strong that you would give us the the ability to love people well to sacrifice for people to invest in people to deny ourselves Father, help us to bear burdens. Lord, just bring to our minds people that are struggling, people who who need to help carrying the load. And God, give us the ability to, to bear with those. Father, we pray for your power. We pray that we might live this out in Jesus' name.